They can't smell you through the computer garage. No way. Hello and welcome to the Perth Delaprem podcast. This is your host, Mike. Um, we're back again for another big show. Plenty to discuss. Um, we're going to be talking about January transfer window, Premier League spending as well. If you look at that across Europe, it's pretty crazy. And um, something I'm looking forward to talking to, or maybe not really looking forward to talking to, is uh, Manchester City going to war with the Premier League and, and all, all those breaches that have, have just come out recently. So we'll save that for later. But um, I'm joined by Josh. How are you going, Josh? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. No, it's good, mate. And Gareth? Yeah, I'm going well, mate. Really good. Yeah, I like I like the little name on the on on your recording here in the um in the studio. Rest in peace, Site. Um Gareth's ready to uh, have a bit of fun here like most of the rival fans have done the last few days. Um let's start on a lighter note then. Um January transfer window. So we we did plan to do a show just for deadline day, but unfortunately we, we couldn't. Um but Gareth, I'll ask you first. Who's your shout for the best January signing of all time? And it, it could just be someone who who did really well for the club long term, or it could be someone who just made an instant impact. Yeah, I've got I've got a few that are on my list, so I'm going to go through a few, and then I'll I'll say who my number one was. Um, I'm going to stick with Liverpool for free um, to start with because I think Philip Coutinho. We talk about the old net net spend FC champions. I think they signed him from Inter Milan for I think it was about eight million. So he was always a little wonder kid on FIFA and I signed him all the time. So I was like, oh, he's going to be amazing. And didn't really know much about him. And obviously he was unbelievable And what Barca signed him for over 100 million. Um, similar to that, Suarez, I think they signed him from Ajax for 23, 24 million. And then the same thing. He's probably the most technically gifted player I think I've ever seen in the Premier League. And then he went on to do amazing things, obviously, um, at Barcelona as well. Virgil van Dijk, I mean, you can say what you want about him this season, but he revolutionised Liverpool's defence. A bit of a left-of-field one, and one that many people wouldn't think of, and they're probably going to be, oh, that's a terrible shout. Robert Hoof joined uh, Leicester from Stoke on loan when they were dead and buried. And I actually read a stat um, earlier. He was part of their last nine games when they, they they won seven, drew one and lost one. And I think the game they lost against Chelsea, he went off injured. And then obviously he went on to win the league the next season. But my number one January transfer signing, because I actually remember when he first came in, I thought he was an absolute beast. And he won five Premier League trophies with Manchester United, two as captain, uh, Nemanja Vidic. Just probably my favourite centre-back of all time. And yeah, as I said, I think they signed him for, it was well under 10 million. And to think what he did at the club, won a Champions League as well. Yeah, he's my best signing of all time. And got to be biased towards defenders. Yeah, absolutely. Some good shouts. You actually kind of taken a few few off me there as well. Um, Josh, what about you? All right, well, I want to start off by saying I'm going to limit my uh, my answer to post-2010 because, unfortunately, I wasn't watching football pre-2010. Um, so, you know, my answers really just at that point would just be based on, like, articles I've read and stuff like that. Definitely shout out some of Gareth's Liverpool signings, definitely some of the ones that I would have mentioned. So I'll just stick to my top one. And that is, and I hate to say this because I bloody hate the team, Bruno Fernandes. And not 
not necessarily because of what he's done since, but let's be realistic. January signings are about impacting that current season, and I think the impact that he brought for Man United at the time in that second, in the back end of that January, uh, in the back end of that season that they signed him was definitely worth what they paid for him. Plus, he's you know still been a decent contributor since then, so I think he's one of the better ones in the last you know 10, 10 years or so. Yeah, good shouts, good shouts. Um, probably more recent memory as well for myself. I mean, I saw Vidic because I was just kind of doing a bit of research, jog the memory. I saw Vidic, that's a great shout as well. And you just look at what he did to, you know, obviously be a mainstay in Man United's defence. Absolute warrior as well. Um, hate to say it. But, um, yeah, obviously Coutinho is a good shout. I think Van Dijk is probably another shout as well, thinking about Liverpool. Just just the impact he had on, you know, their defence over, I mean, still still even these days as well. It's, he's quite an important player. He really, him and maybe Alisson coming in later on, obviously just really set Liverpool up for success over the next few years. Um, but probably an underrated one, maybe like a, a bit of a dark horse. I'd say... Um, I think it was last year. Um, I think yeah, it was last year. Christian Eriksen to Brentford. I think he single-handedly helped keep them up as well. So, um, yeah, no, nah, definitely some good shouts. And Josh, you made a good point as well. Like they're obviously coming in to make instant impact. And yeah, Bruno Fernandez is, is certainly up there. I I really do not like the guy, but I can't doubt that he he made such an impact on uh, United coming in. Um, all right then. So uh, boys, we're going to talk about the Premier League spending because. The other week, I was just having a look and, um, you know, the Premier League is obviously one of the, the most marketable, if not the most marketable kind of brand in the world in, in terms of sport um, and football. And, you know, it's really starting to show, you know, they're flexing their muscles. I think they outspent the Bundesliga, Serie A and Liga. Um, and they set a new record for January spending. So, yeah, they pretty much outspent those within the rest of Europe's big five leagues four to one. So that that's pretty massive. So the, Josh, do you reckon this has any sort of ramifications across football? Because they're talking about now, obviously um, a lot of clubs are kind of struggling financially and, and the Premier League clubs just kind of rock up and, and just splash the cash. Do you think long-term it's going to be a big deal? Um, no, not, not in the sense that it's already been a big, the Premier League has already kind of broken away from the other Big five, yeah. We keep calling them the big five, but it's kind of the Premier League, the other three, and then the French league. Um, sorry, I had, had to get that little yeah. dig in there. Um, it's you know they, they've they've already kind of taken they've already they've already kind of broken away from the other four leagues, and they're not you know they're already on a different level than that. All the other leagues have you know two, three real top teams, like you know, so Italy has AC and Juventus. England's already had always had six, and then you look at where their next lot of teams are in comparison to the other teams. They've already they've all they've been above for a long time now, and I I think as this spending continues that it, it can't change. I think the other countries are just starting to accept it, and I think the big teams, you know, yeah, okay, maybe in ten years' time that the big teams in those other countries might even struggle to keep up in the Champions League with the English teams. Yeah, uh, definitely so, definitely so. I mean, you look at teams even like Villa and Leicester right now, like they, they still even have money to spend. Maybe not so much Leicester, but they did sign a few players and uh, they signed big Harry Sutar, who is the most Scottish-sounding Australian you'll ever see. But um, yeah, even some of the smaller clubs can actually spend money. Um, Gareth, what do you reckon, mate? Yeah, I think a lot of that to do, would be to do with the TV money and the fact that, you know, a lot of... Um, 
countries that are obviously not England, they want to tune in, they want to watch the Premier League. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but occasionally I might watch the Bundesliga highlights. I couldn't tell you the last time I watched any La Liga. Don't watch Serie A and, yeah, don't bother with the French League either. So for me, it's just it's just really a sign to show that the Premier League is the best league in the world, is the most popular league in the world. And again, on that Champions League show, I think it shows, I think we've we've dominated the Champions League the last few years. I think, obviously, Real Madrid won it last year, but Liverpool probably were the best team. Um, Real Madrid just too good on the day. But other than that, we've had teams there or thereabouts. Somehow City haven't won one yet. Yeah, I just think, yeah, with, it's the best league in the world. And, and this is just proving that as well. I love the little little Champions League dig there. Um, yeah, I was kind of going to ask just, him. You know, I'm just, I'm, you know, how have they not won one? They're so, they're so fantastic. What the fuck? <laughs> um, I was actually going to just bring you on to another point you mentioned there, right? So about being the best league, because like, I talked to a few people who follow, like, it's actually mainly Scottish people that I know. Um, and, and Josh, you'll know one of them, Colin, who we used to work with. And he's always, they're always going on about how, um, yeah, maybe it's just a bit of Scottish bitterness, but they're always going about how, like, other leagues, like Premier League's not the strongest league. Like, they talk about La Liga and all this sort of stuff being the best league over the Premier League. But I don't know, Gareth, do you think that's, do you think that's true? Or you just think, yeah, maybe it's just a little bit bitter? Because for me, there's always been this misconception that maybe, or maybe not, maybe not misconception, but just a, a thing about superstars not necessarily joining the Premier League. They go off. They get made in the Premier League, like Ronaldo's done previously, like Eden Hazard as well, Gareth Bale, and they'll end up joining like Real Madrid, Barcelona, say like Suarez as well. Do you think that's a myth or do you think the Premier League is the best league or is it just the best marketed league or a bit of both? I think it's the best league. I think it's the most competitive league. Um, I look at some of our, you know, teams lower down at the moment. I'm, I wouldn't chuck Chelsea, Liverpool, and that. I think they're having a bit of a stinking season. But let's say like your, your Newcastles and and teams like that who are kind of there or thereabouts, I reckon you can throw them in other leagues and they'd do better than what the lesser teams uh, would do in the other leagues. I think Serie A at the moment is quite interesting. I think I've seen something the other day, there's like three points between like second spot and, and seventh or something like that. But I think Barcelona are looking like they're pretty comfortable um, in the Spanish. I think um, Bayern Munich have had a fair few draws, but you can still see them running away with it. PSG they'll end up winning that. So, yeah, Serie A is probably the only other one that's interesting at the moment, but I hate watching the Serie A. I think it's the most boring football ever. Um, so, for me, yeah, I'm just... Uh, I'm all for the Premier League. I think it's the best league in the world. And, yeah, anyone who says... Oh, actually, potentially, you say the best league in the world, probably is, like, football-wise, but most competitive league in the world is the Championship. So, you know, England's got that ticked off. We've got the best league and we've got the most competitive leagues. So, yeah, well done, Premier League. And, yeah, Championship as well. Unbelievable. I thought Rangers and Celtic would uh, would finish top four if they're in the Premier League, though, hey? Um, Interesting, actually, because I, I have said on Rangers and Celtic, if they did come into the Premier League and had the money that everyone else had with, with their fan base and that, I do think they would reach top six within five seasons. That's my prediction. Because they've got such... Oh, you can't deny that their fan, their fan base is incredible. I'd be absolutely wild if away day at um in Glasgow or you know, it'd be it'd be nuts. Hey, and you're probably right as well. Investment, um, or not necessarily investment, but just just earnings from from the league. You know, crazy man. I think like the championship, maybe the, whoever goes down or whoever comes up gets more money than the champions of 
of uh, the Scottish League. So, not yeah. fair shout. I think that we should uh, we, that, that could be an episode one day. Actually, I reckon that that'd get a few people interested. Um, all right, so probably not much else to add there. I'm going to pop up on the screen now. We'll just go through probably a couple of teams. We're not going to have time to go through every single team, but there's a. F- few teams of no um, um but obviously a few signings where perhaps i mean they were in for mudrick who's end up at chelsea um i'm sure there was someone else they were in for as well but they've ended up with Jorginho and um oh i probably butchered this name kiwior I'm, I'm not sure what how to pronounce that but um looks like they've added some for me just looking at that um, i was a bit worried um obviously city lost cancelo so they've added some depth They've uh, added a bit of quality, maybe not first first eleven sort of starters because I, I still have Martinelli over Trossard and Saka as well. Um, I still have Partey if he's fit, and then um, Kiwior just kind of adds to their defensive stocks because for me, Rob Holding is as as you'd say, Gareth, absolute pants. So um, I don't know, uh, Josh, do you want to um, just chime in on that? Do you think Arsenal probably? made some good business just to keep themselves um, at the top and, and just in case any injuries strike later on? I, I think Arsenal had one of the smartest January transfer windows out of any of the teams in the Premier League. I think definitely they didn't need starting 11 players. They're at the top. I mean, okay, yeah, okay. They lost Everton on the weekend. That's, you know, that happens. Teams mess up. Other than that, they don't need, they don't need starting 11 players. What we, we we mentioned it a couple times on this podcast that, you know, their, their biggest risk is if they cop a few injuries and they've now covered off for that. You know, they lose Saka. Okay, Trussard's maybe not quite as good, but he's good enough to cover for a few games. is good to fill in in the centre defensive mid. Kiwa is good enough to f- fill in their centre-back. They didn't lose anybody of note, really, from the team. So I think, yeah, they've had a really smart transfer window and I, I'd, I'd be really happy with that if I was an Arsenal fan. As a City fan, not so happy, but, you know. Yeah, smart signings, definitely. I mean, yeah, Partey as well. Like I think, um, especially just going back to a game against City, that was like, oh, FA Cup, Arsenal rotated a few out. But as soon as they took him off, and I think the same against, um, I'm pretty sure they did against Everton as well. As soon as they took him off, the, the side kind of, it, it really struggled. And it's probably a bit like Fabinho at Liverpool in the past few years, and like Rodri as well. Um, maybe Casemiro at United now, like, those those defensive midfielders, they make the team tick. Everything goes through them, and they're they're the ones who help start the play. So, yeah, definitely, he's not not bad to have on the bench. I think one thing from his perspective, though, is maybe you know he's he's gone from sitting on the bench at Chelsea to probably sitting on the bench at Arsenal. But I'm sure he's getting paid a decent wage, so I'm sure he'll be all right. Um, Gareth, what do you make of Arsenal's business? Do you think smart or like because they're they're a bit older, except for the the centre back they signed, so it's a bit more experienced, and they've got quite a young core. Yeah, um, no, I agree with Josh. I think it was a, a very clever January transfer window. Um, I, I think Trossard's quality. I'm not a massive Jorginho fan, um, but, you know, he's been around the Premier League. Um, he's the type of player he can come in and he can slow the game down. He can pick a pass and stuff like that. I don't know too much about, you know, the other guy, but it seems like a, a young player. And look, they've spent £59 million on on two Premier League proven decent footballers and then someone young who could come up. So, yeah, I think it's a very good uh, January transfer window for them. And obviously, yeah, they, they've not really got starters. I think Trossard, you know, could push that potentially, but you need players to come off the bench. There's going to be injuries later down the season. So, yeah, I think it's fantastic recruitment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
No, no one really notable going out. Suarez there, um, Lakonga as well. Arsenal fans are telling him to get out the club. I feel a bit sorry for him, young player. Um, just looking through here as well. I mean, obviously, like Villa have let Danny Ings go, which I was a little bit surprised about. I don't know how much he's starting for them, so to speak, but I, I, I think he's a really underrated finisher. Um, I think he'll be good for West Ham as well. Um, but I guess just looking down as well, like Brighton have signed all these players. I have no idea who they are. And then suddenly, I reckon in about two years' time, they'll be going for big money if, if, if things are to sort of, you know, if the, the how things have gone recently are anything to go by. Um, and then I'm going to leave Chelsea for a minute. But um, what about Everton? Because they, a bit like Man City, didn't didn't really sign anyone. They've... um. They're in a relegation battle. They obviously beat Arsenal, but do you think Gareth that they needed to? Um, do you think they need to strengthen the squad, just especially with Daesh coming in? It looked like they were in for a couple of players, but just couldn't get it quite a few quite over the line. Yeah, it's tough because Everton for the last what four or five seasons have spent, it's gone to crap, spent again, gone to crap. So I actually think it's probably a conservative approach. Um, you would have hated to bring in players and then get relegated, and you've spent. X amount of money. Um, people know Everton were desperate to sign sign players. Um, so, yeah, probably probably not a terrible thing. I think we've seen already, you know, that what Sean Dyche has done in a week at Everton, them coming in and beating Arsenal. I know Arsenal didn't play great, um, but it just goes to show how good of a manager Sean Dyche is. They've got quality in their team. They've got some really good players. Even look at Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He was on fire, what, not last season, this or start of last season, something like that. He was banging in the goals for fun. So they've, they have got quality in that side. I just think they needed someone to come in. And I think Sean Dyche signing is as big as any any uh, as any January transfer window signing they could have got. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there, Gareth. I don't, I don't think Inns were going to solve their problems. And I think Inns just put them even in an even more precarious financial situation if they do go down. I think at this point they can't guarantee that they're not going to. So spending money on more players to have more wages on the book that they then need to deal with if they do go down. I know no team and no fan wants to have to plan for that, but at the same time, you can't just sit there and say it's not going to happen. Um, and I think that, you know, if they had made big transfers, it's going to put them in a bad position. And I think there's no point making small transfers at this point. So it's kind of, you know, the squad's there to get the wins, to get out of the relegation zone, get it done maybe spend some money in the winter market ready for next season. Just quickly, Michael, I want to go back to the point you made about Danny Ings. I think he's a bloody shocking signing for West Ham. I can't think of a player they needed less than a third striker. They they had, what's his name? And What's his name? Antonio. Antonio. Antonio, Oh, crap. No, but that was was my next point. So they had... Okay, well, but they didn't sell him, did they? So they have Antonio, who they're still playing. They've got Skamaka, who they spent 30 mil on from Sassuolo, who was a top striker in the Serie A. Now, I know that doesn't always transfer, but they haven't given him the game time to play him. So he sat half on their bench, half getting game time. And they've brought a third striker who's a little out of form since he left Southampton. It's just like, okay, keep buying strikers. What are you going to do with them? Or you You play a system that has one striker. It's just not worth the money. Yeah, I don't think Skamaka's really worked out just yet. Still young, still young. But I just think Danny Ings, Premier League proven. Antonio, like he's carried that team on on his back for for so long. I mean, he's just I don't know. I just I, I think it's smart business. Fifteen million risk free. 
Um, obviously, spend a bit of money, but I mean, you can't say you're getting enough out of Skamaka for 40 million just now. I know it might hurt your Italian pride there, but no. No, you're definitely not getting enough out of him for 40 million, but that doesn't make this a good transfer to add a third striker to that to that mess. Especially since, yeah, Ings yeah. is Premier League proven, but he's definitely not Premier League proven this season. Do you, do you think they could go down? They're struggling. Yeah, I'd love to see them go down. I'd love to see Skamakas end up end up somewhere better. Him and um, what's that idiot's name? I'm I'm having mental blanks today. Used to pack it on um, Brazilian guy. Yeah, That's yeah. the one. I'd love to see them end up somewhere else. So that'd be great. Um, just Gareth on um, on Sean Dasha Everton. Um, do you think you'll keep him up? I mean, you kind of you kind of alluded to it, but yeah, apparently had him running their socks off. Like he, I don't know what it is about Sean Dasha. I just I really like him as a manager. I mean, I wouldn't have him at say City, but he's just I don't know. He's got that presence and that aura about him. He's just he's a real hard nutter, and I don't know. I think he he won't take any nonsense from some of those players, and he's obviously got Tarkovsky, who knows well. Um, and then he's got Connor Cody as well. So solid foundations, and that would, that's what his football's kind of built upon. Yeah, I would put every single dollar that I have that he will keep Everton up. I just I, I love Dash as a manager. I think if you're in a relegation battle and you want a bit of a change and a bounce at the club, you bring in Sean Dash. Um, I just think the way he makes his players work, his man management skills are just second to none. Um, yeah, to beat Arsenal already. Um, yeah, I, I think they might go on a little bit of a run, and and you've seen like like Leicester. I was talking about Leicester earlier on the season, so yeah, they look terrible. They're done for, and then now all of a sudden, no, they had a little bit of a slow patch as well after the World Cup, but they're looking like they're gonna they're they're gonna be fine. So all it takes is a few wins, and all of a sudden you're, you're looking up, not down. Yeah, if you put a bet on, and and that comes through that Everton stay up. I mean, that's a lot of money for some golf stuff, hey? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, all right, we'll uh, we'll go to Leeds, and and mainly the reason why I go to Leeds because I think they made probably making the most of uh, Juventus's situation. They're in the mud as well. Um, obviously, I didn't realize. I actually just heard the other day. I've been so consumed by uh, the city news and just kind of listening to other podcasts around that. Um, I sat Jesse Marsh. So, uh, Josh, what do you what do you think of Jesse Marsh? Because like he failed, he he did really well at Salzburg. Um, he failed at Leipzig and now he's coming to Leeds and he's tried to play this really expansive, pressing, attacking football and it's just not quite worked out. But they've made some decent signings like Weston McKenney. Um, obviously, they've just broken their transfer uh, record as well for Aruta, who's I'm not sure where he's from. I think it might be German. But um, yeah, what do you think of that? you got to wonder, did they have Jesse Marsh's stacking in mind when they made these signings? Were these to fit his system? If so, maybe not the best decision. Or were they just good players they found good opportunities on to give, you know, the whoever they bring in, put full-time, a good chance of keeping the team up? I mean, you know, if you, if you ignore the signings, I don't think the sacking's unfair at all. I think, you know, they're sitting, what, four goals, not even points above the relegation zone. Um, they definitely have a good enough squad to be, you know, up in 13th kind of area. So I think definitely not the wrong decision to sack him. Just depends on whose choices those players were. If they were his choices, it's an interesting decision not to give him, you know, at least a week or two with them to have a shot. If it was just they were good squad pickups, then 
then it doesn't matter who's coming in as coach. It's just the players they're going to have to work with. Yeah, bring back Bielsa, hey? Um, Gareth, what do you make of uh, Leeds sacking Marsh and, and just their business? Um, I think Leeds are a bit of a disgrace of the club, to be honest. Uh, probably going to have a lot of haters there, but I just I just think they're woeful. Like, uh, Bielsa, Bielsa done so much for them, got rid of him. I mean, I don't really like Jesse Marsh, but who are they going to get, really, that's any better? I think I'd love to see him go back down on the board of Leeds. Absolute pants. <laughs> Gareth Sorts on the Leeds board. Yeah, no, you, you're right, though. I mean, who who else are they going to get? I mean, yeah, Bielsa was probably, in some ways, too good for him, but he, he kind of did play suicide ball, really, with a team like that. And then Jesse Marsh as well. I don't think he's done horribly, but Leeds are Leeds, and they've probably got to be a bit realistic where they're at. Um, you know, just going around again, though, now. Liverpool signed Gakpo. He's getting a bit of hate like Nunes, but I think he'll he'll probably come good. Um, City, I mean, we signed someone. Apparently, he's good. I don't know. But um, Cancelo's gone. Um, it's probably getting a bit boring for some people now, but things are looking a bit rocky. Um, aside from all the off-the-field stuff. Uh, Josh, being the City fan, uh, what do you think about Cancelo joining Munich? I see he's ripping it up already, which I, I really expected him to do. I think if he if he's done something that bad that they've gone, let's just piss this guy off and, and loan him and just get rid of him, get him out of the squad, then maybe it's fair enough. But, I mean, it's just quality and they haven't signed anybody at left back. I think that's pretty poor. So uh, what do you think? Look, I mean, I don't think they could sign anyone. I don't think, you know, they weren't as blindsided about the trouble they were going to get in as, you know, the rest of us might have been. So I think they were, you know, playing it safe in that area. Look, I, I don't want to, you know, defend City at Cancelo's expense. I don't know. You know, they keep saying he did something, but it's all very vague. Maybe he just wanted to leave. And, you know, if that's the case, sometimes it's best to let them go. And he probably wasn't happy that he got dropped for that young, for the young bloke and, you know, which a lot of, of experienced yep. players wouldn't be, and maybe that wasn't, yeah, and maybe that wasn't the best decision to start doing that. You know, midway through a season, maybe he was just getting tired, and the attitude wasn't in the right place at City anymore. You know, it's not to say that just because if he stayed here, he would be playing as well for us as he is now at Bayern Munich. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens in six months because Bayern Munich have kind of come out and said they're not happy to pay what the you know a deal was for him so they're not going to take that by clause as it stands if he performs really well maybe they will and we'll see what happens from there i do think it leaves us with a problem for the rest of this season though in his position definitely not signing someone else yeah even on loan is just risky yeah i think i think it's when you come to the champions league knockout stages latter stages of the FA Cup, the Premier League, if we're still there, which remains to be seen. Um, I mean, let, let's be honest, right? I mean, I saw him at the Manchester derby and he stunk the place out and he's done that a few times this season. But he's just he's a bit of a luxury player. But you know what? Like, it's quality, it's depth. And I think, you know, you saw Rico Lewis at left back the other day. I think that's, that's risky to put an 18-year-old right back and play him in an unfamiliar role, especially the way Pep plays and tucks into midfield. It's like, I don't know, mate. I mean, look, I think, yeah, may, maybe, I think the problem with Man City sometimes is they, they're not willing to rush into short-term deals and, and sort of go and get a player on loan to get them through because they don't see any benefit in that. But 
I think it would have been valuable. I think Ake has been pretty good, but let's be honest, he's not a left back as well. So, yeah, interesting stuff. Um, Gareth, I'll just quickly get your thoughts and we'll move on to the red side, Manchester. Just as an outsider, you, what do you think about the Cancelo situation? Because there's been a lot of noise, but like Josh said, it's been fairly vague as to what actually happened. Yeah, I think it's very strange. I think um, you're in denial if you don't think that Cancelo's been the best left-back in the Premier League for the last couple of seasons. Yeah, look, Luke Shaw's been okay and, and Robertson's been up there, but I think Cancelo's been the best for me. Um, just quickly before you touch on Man United as well, I think I heard an interview of Brendan Rodgers talking up that um, Tete that Leicester signed. He also he scored on his debut oh, yes. as well, Brazilian. Um, so he could be an um, interesting signing. And Harry Suter as well. So they've placed one slab head with another. <laughs> he's he's, a, he's just a unit, isn't he? Um, Josh, you were talking about Tete. Uh, we were talking about this actually on Monday night when we played volleyball. Uh, it looked pretty good. Uh, your missus is a Leicester fan, so she was pretty happy with him as well. What do you make of, uh, say, Tete then? I think he's going to be a decent player, go for big money, Mares 2.0. Yeah. Yeah, look, I think I think he actually might be. I think he's definitely what they needed from an attacking sense because they were running everything through Harvey Barnes and James Madison, and it was just getting really predictable. I think Leicester's another one. That, but behind maybe Arsenal, they're probably one of my favourite transfer windows for a team in the Premier League. I think they bought exactly what they needed. They needed a centre-back to get rid of, to stop playing a Marty week in, week out because that was just not working. The amount of mistakes that guy makes is just beyond a joke. Um, Look, the only thing that would have made them, for me, the only thing they needed to do to make them have the best transfer window was to bring in a bloody goalkeeper to get Ward, not even on the bench, just out, just gone somewhere else because garbage. But no, I think Tete is going to be great. Um, then you might be one of the next big Brazilians, which we haven't had one of those in a while. So it's, an, so it's nice to bring the old school back. Yeah, especially in the Premier League um, as well, definitely. Um, all right. Mm. Yeah. Let's talk about Man United. It, it really it, it, I hate. It pains me to say, in a way, that they're actually doing smart business for the first time in a long time. They've got a competent manager. He's um kind of laid down the law. He you know got rid of Ronaldo, which is a ballsy move, especially coming into a club which was quite oh, I don't know the word, but they were a bit of a shambles. Um, Sabitzer um's come in from Bayern Munich on loan. Jack Butland. Decent backup keeper. I mean, he's not really hit the heights. He's someone I would have signed on like FIFA 13 and he would have carried me through the whole career mode. Uh, well, Webcourse, it remains to be seen how decent he is, but he's a focal point nonetheless. Um, Gareth, do you want to just chip in on, on Manchester United? Because I think, you know, obviously with, uh, I think Ericsson's out for a while now. So Sabitza seems a smart signing. Yeah, um, I think McTominay as well. I think he's injured. Not that he's anything special, but they probably need a strength in the midfield. Um, yeah, it looks like a decent player from what I've seen of him. Um, Jack Butler's crap and Valvegos is crap. So those two are, are terrible signings. He's a plank. Um, Josh, go on then. Yeah, look, it's not the most noteworthy transfer window. I don't think they've done anything bad. I mean, the two signings that maybe Gareth are saying aren't great, I guess they're just there to be on the bench you know, play cup matches or whatever crap. So not really that much of a big deal. Um, I think Ronaldo out is obviously the big talking point for them. And I think it's great. And I think it's worked out really well for them, um, unfortunately. So that's a shame. But um, what can you do? 
It'd be interesting to see if all these guys being on loan, whether they actually... Because I don't think Sabitzer has a buy option. I wouldn't imagine Butland or Weghorst do either. I think they're looking to bigger and better things maybe in the summer. But um, yeah, I think it will just get them through. Probably like maybe what City should have done. Just sign someone who was reasonable, who could have just provided some cover. Um, all right. I was going to move on, but I just remembered uh, Anthony Gordon. He's moved to Newcastle, 40 million um, from Everton. He's left, you know, he's boyhood club in a relegation battle. Um, he was sought after by Chelsea not so long ago, but to be fair, I, I don't rate him. I don't, I don't think he's that good. I don't think he's all that. Maybe a signing for the future, but Gareth, do you think, do you think he's going to do well at Newcastle or is it is it just, I don't know, do you think he's got that English hype, that sort of overrated nature about him? Because that's, that's what camp I'm sort of in right now. Yeah, definitely English hype. Um, like he's quick. Uh, he can be direct at times. But the games where I've I've watched him, which I'll be completely honest with you, is probably about three. So I can't say much, but I, I know a few friends who are Everton fans and, and they're quite happy he's gone. I, I really don't rate him. I think Everton have done well there in getting rid of him. He obviously didn't want to be at the club. So I reckon they say good riddance to him and, and they're happy with the money. Yeah. And uh, Josh? Yeah, look, three goals this season for a right winger. No assists. I mean, I did just bring that up. I don't know a ton about Anthony Gordon off the top of my head. That, that's for 40 million. That's not a that's not a lot. And yeah, okay, maybe in Newcastle do a little bit better if he gets breaks into their starting lineup. But I, yeah, no, definitely English tax. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, either of you just want to add anything before we, uh, or before I go on a bit of a rant anyway, um, about the tra- January transfer window? You can probably mention actually now thinking about it, um, the old who's that guy who was who, who pretty much signed for Everton and then realised Tottenham were coming in for him, so he decided to do a massive U turn and, and ended up signing for Tottenham. That actually oh, would have been a bit, a bit of a kick in the teeth for him. I actually just realised that I've, that probably takes down their generations or um, market just a bit, but that was that was actually quite humorous. Yeah, I think as well. Uh, apparently, it was something to do with the manager, so. He, he saw uh, Big Sean Dyche was coming in. And he said, "No, nah, I don't want to play long balls." So that, that's quite interesting. Um, Josh, you got anything to add, mate? Or was it going to move on? No, I assume you're going to cover Chelsea on your own. So I'll I'll, I'll let, let leave that to you. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Chelsea, um, obviously, oh, I don't know how much they spend. Three hundred million at least. Crazy, crazy money. Um, obviously got Grant Potter in new ownership, Todd Bowley. Um, probably looking to lay down a bit of a marker. And I thought maybe that marker would have been someone like Raheem Sterling at the start of the season um, and maybe a couple of others. But, I mean, just going through, they've obviously signed... Oh, who have they signed? So they've signed uh, Fafana. I think that's what they've signed two Fafanas now. So they've obviously signed him. They've signed Mudrik as well. Um, just sort of got him from under the, the clutches of Arsenal. Uh, Batty Shield, which I will say, he's, he's made a decent start. Um, Andre Santos, who's coming, but he hasn't quite joined yet. Uh, Jao Felix on loan. Uh, Madueke, who's English. He's been abroad for a couple of years. Melo Gusto has gone back on loan to Lyon. Um, and obviously the big one here, really, um, aside from Mudrik, is Enzo Fernandez. So, Gareth, what do, you, what do you think? Because part of me goes, well, this Chelsea side under Abramovich has kind of been you know they've sat the manager quite regularly the team's been built by so many different managers 
that perhaps this was needed. Maybe Graham, I, I, I don't know if Graham Potter's gone in there and said, I need 10 new players and I need to rebuild the squad and these are the profiles that I need. But um, in some ways, it does appear pretty scattergun. What sort of side are you lying on? Is it scattergun or is it measured? And, and yeah, just your overall thoughts. Yeah, there's some interesting signings. And I know you say the centre-back from Monaco, he's looked good. It's a good sign that we're forgetting that they brought in Koulibaly at the start of the season for massive money yeah. as well. So the amount of money that they've spent on there. And that's the thing with Chelsea. Like, uh, I, I don't want to harp on and speak about Liverpool too much, but if Liverpool signed a centre-back in Gen- in, in, at the start of the season for big money and he wasn't working out, they then can't go and sign someone else. Chelsea seem to be able to do whatever they want. Um, I think Joao Felix is quality. Um, him being on loan, I know they pay a fee for the loan, but I think that's a smart move. If it doesn't come off, it doesn't really matter. But I just think he, he's he's brilliant. He had some games in the World Cup where he was just unplayable. Um, so if he can get in form, I think he's a great signing. Um, obviously, uh, Mudrick's the other big one. Again, I don't know anything about him. He looked quite good against Liverpool um, for that little cameo he had. He looked quite quick. But I probably won't judge him until... He's had at least the rest of the season and then obviously next season as well. Um, Enzo Fernandez is, is the interesting one. Obviously, he's one of those players, I think we spoke about it previous, like James Rodriguez. He has a good World Cup and then instantly everybody wants him. Is he a 100 million player? Probably not. Um, I didn't even know who he was until the World Cup. Um, so, yeah, look, they've paid probably massive overs, but he's he's obviously in good form. He's confident and... Playing at Chelsea, who knows? Um, they've got the money, so yes, yeah, it's, it's just it's just Chelsea. Like you can say, oh, it's sporadic and stuff, but they've got the money, really. And if old Ted Bowley doesn't work out, they'll they'll get someone else in who's got money, and that's just what Chelsea do. And they've spent, I think, more money than Man City have, to be honest. And they're going to keep doing it. Yeah, it's quite crazy, and we'll, we'll maybe touch on some FFP stuff in a sec, but. Um... Just touching on going back right to the start of what you said there, Koulibaly. I think it's quite interesting with Koulibaly because he's one of those players that we've all... And Josh, you've probably seen more of him being a Serie A fan of Milan, right? But it's he's been one of those players where we've kind of all gone, well, is he actually as good as, as sort of he's made out to be? Is it just a Serie A or is he just good in that league? And it's it's interesting. And like you say, Gareth, like, I, I don't think a lot of teams around the world would... Yeah, invest such a, a heavy fee in a player and then suddenly go, well, this isn't working. We're going to sign someone else because I just don't think that's good business. But yeah, Josh, um, do you think he's always been a little bit overhyped or do you think he's maybe maybe just struggling to find his feet in the Premier League? I think it's a bit of the, the Harry Maguire effect, I'm going to call it, in that we all remember when Harry Maguire was at Leicester and he was amazing and all this stuff and then he left and it didn't pan out. And, and, and the reality of that, as it turns out, is, yeah, he looked good, but it was the defenders and the, the, the setup around him that made him look good. And I think I'm going to say the same thing about Koulibaly, and the main reason I'm going to say that is there was big talk. I, I listened to a lot of Serie A podcasts. Stuff, there was big talk at the start of the season about how you know, Koulibaly's left, Napoli's screwed. Their defence is as strong as ever. So the fact that he's gone, they, they haven't even felt it. I mean, that that yeah. says to me that the defensive system at Napoli was making him look good rather than him making the defensive system good. And so as he's come to Chelsea, he's not had the impact that everyone's expecting them to because he's they're expecting him to turn Chelsea's defence into Napoli's defence. And that's not happened. 
So I think that's probably yeah. the, that's probably my big takeaway on Koulibaly. And I don't think he's a bad player, but it's maybe not the right place for him. Yeah, because he was he was linked with a lot of teams for a long time, and it just never seemed to eventuate. And now now it's kind of finally happened. Um, yeah. I guess the other thing I really wanted to touch on um, is, and I'll ask you first, Josh, because obviously FFP might be a concern, and they've spent a crazy amount of money, not just now, but throughout the whole season, both windows. So. Massive outlay, um, and obviously they they got rid of Jorginho, but the rest have been loans out, and Gusto's coming back. Um, do you think signing these players, because apparently the way they've got around it is long contracts, seven, six, seven, eight year contracts? Do you think that's a dangerous game to play long term? I mean, look, if they work out, great, but if they don't work out, you could have a, a Jack Rodwell at Sunderland, and just they can sit on the bench and get the wages for as long as they want because they're under contract. Um, and then I suppose the other side of that argument is, well, how are they going to flip all these players that they need to get rid of? So what do you think about the whole situation there, Josh? Yeah, look, I think they've had a horrible transfer market. I think spending near 100 mil on two young players who are both coming from outside. And look, I know Enzo Fernandez has a great World Cup, but we've seen how that's worked out before. They're both coming from outside the top five leagues. So I think... You know, that's that's really risky to do both of them in one season. I'm not saying either of them are bad. I'm not saying they won't necessarily both work out, but that's a huge risk. And then, like you said, are those eight-year contracts, if they don't work out, there's nothing they can do with them. No one else is going to pay them back their $100 million. I mean, you've seen it already. Ch- Chelsea keep making these bad transfers and they're replacing them with more players. And it's great that they can afford to do that for them. Sure, whatever. If they're getting around FFP somehow, awesome. Who cares? But sell the players you don't need. The fact that they're not doing that says their contracts are putting them in a position that they can't do it. And keeping so many big players that aren't getting game time anymore because they come in, big signing, doesn't work out, get replaced by somebody else, sit on the bench, causes just disharmony in the locker room. You've got these big-name players who are getting angrier and angrier that they're not getting game time and they're, you know they're running their mouth in the club and stuff like that. You can't just keep buying and then loading up on these players. It's kind of like when you play FIFA. You end up with too many players that are too good. They all tell you they want to quit because you haven't played any of them. It's getting to that point for Chelsea. And I think, you know, their new owner is part of that problem. Um, He's treating it like it's an American sport where you can just go buy the best player. It's going to change the whole team rather than buy the best player. It's actually going to fit your team. They don't seem to care enough to think about that. They're just good player available. Take them. Yeah, I think the same could be said about um, United, probably re- maybe not so much this season, but recently as well. Just buying players for the sake of it, buying it for the name. Like Even players like Sterling, he's he's been pretty average for them. Uh, he's had some injury troubles as well. But like I think, yeah, it's just buying names, not, not players that are going to go fit your system. And that's why Liverpool and City have probably been so successful over the past five or six years. And obviously you can see Arsenal's kind of paying dividends now for, for signing some some smart players and, and players that are going to fit the system of the manager. Um, and I suppose I'll just bring it over to you, Gareth. Um, do you think they're going to have trouble getting rid of all these players? Because I'm, I'm looking at a list of some players like Pulisic's probably going to go, Aubameyang, I mean, that was a stupid signing from the start. I don't know who thought that was a good idea. Um, Koulibaly could be out of there. Um, Aspilicueta's getting on a little bit. Like, There's a lot of players just to, to get rid of, and it's not as easy as just going, well, you're up for sale, see you later. I mean, they could do some deals or some loan to buyers, but yeah, I, I think it's it's going to be risky for sure. 
Yeah, I think another one, um, Angolo Kante. I've I don't know if it's yep. he's out of contract this season, but I read somewhere potentially he could be leaving on a free. Um, so that's another one as well. You think the money they spent on him? But then I said before, like with Chelsea, it doesn't really matter to them. Like they've got that much money that if they've got these players sitting around, I, don't, I really don't think they care. Um, they seem to always be a team for the now. They don't seem to look for the future. I mean, I know Enzo Fernandez and Murdoch are both young, but I think it's like these big hype players. Let's just spend the money, buy it now, and try and be successful now, rather than slowly build a team and look towards the future. Um, they'll always be able to have money because they always seem to have an owner that's got money. Um, so if it fails, then they'll probably just do it and reload again. And yeah, I don't know how. If City have got done by financial fair play, Chelsea surely can't be too far behind. Yeah, no, definitely. Just on that, the thing think, with the, on, Josh. the thing with Chelsea and their financial fair play is, I think part of the reason they can't sell some of their players is because the way they do it is when they do it like when a business buys an asset and they kind of write it off, depreciate it slowly over time. So they do the same thing with a player. That way, they spread out the cost over eight years rather than over one. The problem they have is if they buy someone for say eighty million, they don't perform for a season. They can't turn around and sell them for, for say for 70 million because they're not worth that anymore. They can't sell the player at a loss because then they have to write in the loss in their accounts for that year that they sell the player at a loss. So they can't sell the player until they finish depreciating under the system without it screwing up their very finely balanced financial fair play system. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's the, that's the trouble. Hey, they're going to be starting with that on, on the balance book. And yeah, I don't know. I, it, look, if it works out, it could be like, people could look at it and go, it's one of those things be like, well, that was really smart by Chelsea. They read that really well. But like you said as well, Gareth, they're not, they just seem more of a now team. And obviously like living in the moment with Enzo Fernandez. I mean, if you look at Enzo Fernandez, he came from the same team as uh, Julian Alvarez and you could have got them for both 14 million each. Um, in the summer and then you know now he's gone for 107 million i mean kudos to benfica if you look at the list of players that they've sold over the years to some of the bigger clubs it's incredible but yeah it just seems very very impulsive i think and look, it remains to be seen i'm sure that you know mudrick's a good player as well but yeah i look eight seven eight year contracts is risky and there's a reason why i think clubs don't tend to hand them out um you know at all really um, so it'll be interesting there. Um, anything else you either of you want to add on Chelsea? Otherwise, we'll, we'll move on to the next topic. No, we're good. 